everybody. I just want to welcome you to I want to welcome you to this Bible study. I thank God for the strength that he has given me to be here to speak with you. I thank God for the ability to be able to study Revelation 3 today. I want to welcome everybody and I pray that God will give us release understanding revelation power and grace as we study the book of revelations chapter 3 let's pray everlasting father we thank you for your goodness your mercies we thank you for your grace thank you for your loving kindness thank you for healing thank you for your mercies thank you for life the grace to see a new month of december lord we say be thou glorified in the name of jesus christ father we invite you, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit here tonight, today, oh God, to be with us, oh God, as we study your word. Do not leave us alone to just um, insinuate things from your word, oh God, but please, Lord, speak to us what you are, you are trying to tell us, oh God. Let us hear it in our ears. Speak to the minds of everyone that, that would tune in and listen today in the name of jesus christ speak to everyone that will eventually find this video oh god save their souls oh god and help us to become the church that you have destined us to be receive the glory ancient of days oh god i believe that your presence is here and you made this day possible lord be thou glorified in jesus mighty name of prayed. amen i thank you for tuning in to today's bible study and as we know, we're going to be studying Revelations 3, but a brief recap on Revelations 2. Last meeting, we studied four churches. Jesus wrote letters to four churches. The church in Ephesus, which we saw was the autopilot Christians, right? The autopilot Christians that already know what is required of christianity of christians they go to church they read their bible they listen to gospel music and just do a routine read devotionals they even do the second works they volunteer in church they go on mission field they are patients they they behave like christians essentially but they actually put their relationship with god on autopilot they are not communicating with jesus and jesus is not talking with them they know what to do to be religious but they don't talk with god they don't have any connection with the holy spirit <coughs> Sorry, excuse me <coughs> so they perform christianity as a routine that is what the ephesus church is about Now, the second um, church is the church in Smyrna. So the church in Smyrna, um, basically, they are churches that are being currently persecuted, right? Persecuted um, for Christ's sakes. This church, um, Jesus wrote a letter to them telling them to be strong and it looks like they are poor but they are actually rich these people are rich 
Because the way Jesus measures wealth is in terms of the knowledge of God. And we know, if you've been watching this channel, that the only needful thing in Christendom, in being like God, being like Jesus, in being born again, is growing in your knowledge of God. Not growing in your knowledge of the Bible alone, but growing in the knowledge of who God is. And Paul has told us the steps. Peter also told us the steps, the levels to knowing God. So the first level is to know his um, death and resurrection, right? So we could go and refresh our memories on it. Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. So Philippians 3.10 says that, that I may know him. So Philippians 3.10. Okay. Hi, let me use the King James Version. Um, open your Bibles. To Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. It says here that, that I may know him, that's Jesus, and the power of his resurrection. So the power of his resurrection is, has to be made um, known in your life. You need to be born again. You, the old man, God has to crucify him and resurrect a new man in you. And the Holy Spirit has to live in you. So that's being born again. So that is one level to know God. Power of his resurrection. Now, fellowship of his suffering is another level. Now, this is like a very huge level. Like born again, suffering for Christ, right? But Peter gave us step-by-step -step, um, levels to know God, right? When we believe first, first Peter, let's go and check it out. First Peter, um, let let me confirm. It's either first or second Peter. So it's 2 Peter chapter 1. So let's go to 2 Peter. Open your Bibles to 2 Peter. This is a Bible study. So you have to open your Bibles. That is the that is that contains life. This is what we know about God. This is from where God speaks to us. This is the word that God has written for us. We need to communicate with it. And when we communicate with the word of God, when we read the word of God, it becomes life in us. So open your Bibles to Second Peter chapter 2. It simply says that when you, when, after you're born again and you have faith in God, you need to... Oh... oh Hold on, please. 
I don't like this online Bible thingy I'm using. Or maybe it's me that I'm putting the wrong verse. Um, so, yes. So, besides this, Second Peter 1 verse 5 says that, And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Add to your virtue knowledge. Add to knowledge temperance. To temperance patience. Patience, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charities. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So in order to know God, these are more steps after being born again. But Paul jumped from born again to suffering for Christ. Suffering for Christ, according to Peter, is the highest level of knowing God. It's a very high level of knowing God. And when the, 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 your riches as a Christian is, I just want you to know that, like have that as a foundation in your mind. Your riches as a Christian is not how many souls you saved. It's not how much you give in church. It's not how much mission you do or how much you fast. Your riches as a Christian is how much of, the, of God you know. So Peter told us that when suffering for Christ is a very high level of knowing God. And so let's go back to our study or our review of Revelations 2, which says that the church in Smyrna suffered for Christ Jesus and Jesus told them they are rich even though they are poor they are poor physically right they don't have money to give to the poor because they are the poor themselves they don't have money to give to church so if you say okay if you want to be rich in heaven you have to give to church this church in Smyrna did not have any money to give to church they are poor so how how why did jesus call them rich because they they were suffering for christ they had attained the highest knowledge you know what we said the last time it's not easy to suffer for christ it means you know him so much you know everything about him that when they you can put your life on the line for him because you know who he is he is above all these worldly things that looks like they are important Knowing God, doing God's will, being close to God is higher than any worldly achievement. So these people knew that and that's why they could suffer for God. So let's, keep, let's continue to our study today. The two other churches in Revelation chapter 2, go, go, go listen to the, the video about that Bible study, are Pegamos and Thyatira. So Pegamos is the church that practices the doctrine of Balaam, right? So Balaam, the false prophet, the false prophets did not start out as false prophets, but they were, they connived with unbelievers to bring in doctrines in the church that are against God, doctrines of money, prosperity, all the doctrines that please the devil. If you're in a church that have doctrines that please the devil, run away from the church. Tayatira, theirs is false prophetesses. 
so many false prophetesses in their churches that teach the pastors to fornicate. So that's the Atira. Today we're going to the last three churches that Jesus wrote letters to. And my brothers and sisters, if you have not picked yourself in the churches in Revelation chapter 2, get ready and see if you fall under any of the three churches in Revelation chapter 3. Jesus wrote letters to the church in Sardis, the church in Philadelphia, and the church in Laodicea. So let's go, let's go, let's go. So we're going to read Revelation 3. Open your Bibles and read with me. And the truth is, Jesus, apart from the fact that I'll be explaining what God already showed me about Revelation 3 with you today, Jesus can speak to your heart about these churches. He can tell you that, daughter, son, you fall under this church. You need to repent. Or he can tell you, daughter, son, you fall under this other church. Good job. So remember, Jesus commended the churches before he told them their faults. And we should practice that in our lives. Jesus is the best. He knows us human beings. He knows how we are. He knows what we appreciate. And he went ahead to first of all pat them at the back. Pat the churches at the back. Before he told them what they were doing wrong. And I will try my best to imbibe that in my life. And you should too if you are trying to criticize somebody. First of all, genuinely look at what they're doing right and commend them first. Then the criticism will go a long way to bring about a positive change. Let's go. Revelations chapter 3, I will read and you will listen. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, This thing said he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Guys, tell me, what are the seven spirits of God? Mm -hmm. Leave it in the comment below if you know it. Because if you've been listening to this channel, you should know the seven spirits of God. Okay, here's the answer. The seven spirits of God are the Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom, spirit of knowledge, spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, and the spirit of fear of God. Seven spirits of God. So, this letter is from the person that has the seven spirits of God. And we are praying that the seven spirits of God will live in us. That's my prayer. So, Jesus has the seven spirits of God. And then he has the seven stars. Now the seven stars are the pastors. Let me not say pastors. The Bible says that the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, right? So the seven churches in Revelations that Jesus wrote a letter to are the people, the, the, the kind of churches currently in the end time right now. So all Christians all over the world are divided into seven groups. Choose who you are. And the thing is that you might be an intersection of two or more groups. So you might have three churches' faults. Mm -hmm. So these are just type of Christians. And 
We just need to repent whenever we see ourselves in any of these churches. Going forward, let me continue reading. Jesus, that has the seven spirits of God, says that I know thy works, Sadis Church, that thou hast a name that thou leaveth and are dead. So it looks like you are alive, but you are dead. But let's keep you're actually dead. You have a name. Everybody says you are alive, but you're actually dead. Verse 2. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. So, hmm. By the grace of God, when I was reading this part, I was begging God for a revelation of what does it mean when people have a name, they're popular. These are popular people, popular churches, but they are actually dead inside. And God, before I stood up from my Bible study, told me something, gave me a verse, and we're going to read it together. And it is Matthew chapter 23 verse 24 so let's open our bibles please open your bibles to matthew 23 verse 24 so it says here that blind guides blind guides you strain out a nut and swallow a camel what to you pharisees and you religious leaders hypocrites you are so careful to polish the outside of the cup but the inside is foul with extortion and greed blind pharisees first clean the cleanse the inside of the cup and then the whole cup will be clean woe unto you woe unto you pharisees i mean matthew 23 verse 27 and you religious leaders, you are like beautiful mausoleums, that is graves, <laughs> full of dead men's bones and of foulness and corruption. You try to look like saintly men, but underneath those pious robes of yours are hearts besmirched with every sort of hypocrisy and sin. So let me read King James Version because I like that version. It says that in Matthew 23, verse, let's start from 27. So Matthew 23, 27 says that, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchres, that is graves, right? Which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. So outside, these people are alive. Popular church, alive. But they are dead. So Jesus told them that you have a name, right? looks like you are alive but you are dead inside you're full of dead men's bones so the church in sadis 
are Pharisees. They are hypocrites. Do you fall under this church? Let's see what Jesus has to say. Jesus himself is the one saying this, not me. So, it says that, verse 2, Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. And verse 3 says, Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. So, I can't believe that with all the things that Jesus said unto Pharisees in the Bible, I can't believe they still exist after Jesus' death and resurrection. Because this time that Jesus was giving this revelation to John was many years after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And even till now, these people exist because this is talking about the end time. So, you know, this kind of church these are popular churches, they're lively churches, they're around you. They speak out only against social issues that benefit them. But they are dead to the things and works that Jesus approves of. For them to be popular, l listen to all the popular churches around you and wh what they speak out for. Listen to the popular organizations around you. And what they speak out for. I just want to use this opportunity to talk about an issue that is very close to my heart. And okay, after let me see. So um, let me let me do this um, summary that I wrote in my book. Then I will speak out about it. So, <coughs> sorry. <coughs> so you know. Um, so this church speak out about these issues that benefit them. That's why they are popular churches. That's why they are popular people. You hear about them, you hear their stand on political issues and all. But they are dead. Right? But how will we know how we know them? Or how will you know yourself? Why do you how will you know that you are dead? So the first thing is to look inwardly to see what God talked to the Pharisees about. So in the Bible, the Jesus said some things to the Pharisees, and we're going to read some things, some of those things. So John 9, verse 40 to 41. Let's read that first, then I would explain what I got from God's word. John 9, 40 to 41. Here it says that, 
the Pharisees who were standing there. <laughs> Let me start from 39. So John 9 verse 39 says that. Hi. Chivikchi text. Welcome to the Bible study. God bless you. So, verse 39 says, Then Jesus told him, I have come into the world to give sight to those who are spiritually blind and to show those who think they see that they are blind. The Pharisees who were standing there asked, Are you saying we are blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied. But your guilt remains because you claim to know what you are doing. So, these Pharisee churches, they look like they are life, right? The church in Sardis, they look like they are life. They are popular. They are growing. But they are dead, full of dead men's bones. They don't know that they are blind. They don't know that they are dead. So, if you know that you are sick, right, you can cry out to God and God will heal you. That is only when you acknowledge that you are sick. Like Jesus has said, at least if you knew that you were blind, I would have healed you. But you said you are not blind. So these people, we have to be careful that we are not Pharisees. We don't become Pharisees where we, we expect high level of, we, we preach about high level of holiness and righteousness. We talk about it, but we don't practice it. Inside we are full of sin. We, we break all the rules because we commit the sin that nobody can see. But we speak out about the sin that everybody can see. For example, people that commit abortion, you can see them. You, you might see them when they're going to the, the clinics. They might talk openly, um, openly about that. You condemn that. Oh, this, that, pro-life, everything. When you, see, you, you, you preach about all these social issues and then you condemn those things. Whereas... Just because you say Jesus, um, Jesus loves, Jesus hates mother. So you talk about those issues, but in your own life, you are doing worse than that. You hate your brother, you hate your neighbor, maybe because of race or something. You hate people and you are a murderer in your heart. Imagine that. So you are this pious person. You know the rules, you know the, you are moral in the face of the world, but in your heart, you are worse than even those people, right? I'm not saying that abortion is a good thing. It is a sin, yes, but let me use this opportunity to tell you how I feel about people that go about and condemn abortion in the open. I feel that they are replacing the message that Jesus gave them with their own message, right? Jesus told people to go into the world and make disciples and preach the good news. So when you waste a forum in the news media to condemn all these social issues, you are wasting your time as a Christian. Try to use whatever popularity they have, like Sadi's church in Revelation chapter 3. They are popular. They are alive. They, they, they will not use. Now, let, this is how I see abortion. 
I see abortion as, first of all, get people to know Jesus. And the Holy Spirit in them will teach them what to do. But if you go and start saying, you must not kill that child. You are a sinner. You are wicked. You are heartless. It's counterproductive. So, this is the saddest church. The churches that are popular, that are lively, they speak out about the social issues that benefit them. Right? Just like the hypocrites. But they are dead inside. They are dead inside. Amen. I pray God will help us in Jesus' name. Amen. These people are dead inside because they, are, they have sin that you cannot see. Right? But God sees it. And that's why God told them that you are beautiful like a graveyard, but you are full of dead men's bones. And let's see what God, more of what God is telling them to do. God is telling them in Revelation chapter 3, verse 3, please open your Bibles. To remember, therefore, how thou, hast, how thou hast received and heard, how you have received the gospel. Remember how you received, okay, I'm back, I think. Remember how you received the gospel. You did not receive it by someone condemning you, right? You did not receive it by, you know how the Pharisees do? There's so many examples in the Bible. They okay, I have a poor connection, I hope... It's not I hope you guys can still hear me so remember how you received the gospel that, that was just Jesus message to the church in Sardis you received it in love and that's why you were able to change nobody stood condemning you that you will perish you are wicked or or carrying placard and saying that don't kill that child that is not how you received the message Amen. Amen. <laughs> I, <coughs> sorry. <coughs> sorry. I hope that this poor connection will not stop us from doing this Bible study today. Anyway, remember how you received the message of God. You received it in love, right? You received it in love. When the word came in unto you, he says, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him will not perish but have eternal life. God loves. That is what we are supposed to show. And then it's not only in words. We have to show it in deeds, right? Genuine deeds. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I look inwardly at myself and I want to make sure that my friends are not my friends because I want to win them for Christ. Because they, they, I, I want to be genuine friends with people, right? I'm trying my best. It's too hard. Because when you come to an unbeliever and you want to be their friend, right? They, I read it from somewhere. It looks like they are skeptical to say, um, is this one trying to win me over as part of her mission? to the christian to the christian fold is she trying to i don't want to try to do that i want to be real friends and show real love and, and then one day the holy spirit will touch your heart and then you'll be saved i will try to chip in some words only 
by the direction of the Holy Spirit. Only when the Holy Spirit directs me and says, can you share this thing? Can you share this word with my friend, right? I'll, and I'll be like, okay. Okay, I hope I am still online. So, so let's see what Jesus said to them so that we can go on to the next church. Revelations 3, verse 4. Oh, verse 3, let's not, this is very important. Remember therefore how thou hast received the word of God, right? And heard, and hold fast, and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come on thee. This is a very interesting clue. It's saying that if you don't watch, if you don't repent, you will not know the hour I will come in rapture. That means if you watch and you repent, you if you watch and repent, so if the saddest church could repent now and continue doing God's work, they would know the hour that Jesus would come. This is crazy. I've never heard it before, right? Because the last thing Jesus told us was that nobody knows the hour. I don't know this network just keeps fluctuating anyway jesus said the last thing jesus said in the word when he was alive is that nobody knows the hour when the son of man will return right but now jesus is saying that if you don't repent you will not know the hour that means if you repent you would know the hour so there are so many interesting opportunities we have in the in the word of god even in the book of revelations that we don't know about because we don't read it now, Revelation 3 is telling us that it's possible to actually know the hour that Jesus would come. Because he's saying that if you don't repent, let's read it together. Revelation chapter 3, verse 3. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If thou shalt not watch, and if thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief. And thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. But if thou watch, right? And if thou watch and repent, I will not come on thee as a thief. You would know the hour I would come. So, Christians that watch and pray, right? That watch and pray and repent from whatever sin they are doing will know when Jesus is about to come. They will know. And remember last week, last, remember, remember last meeting we talked about, we talked about the autopilot Christians, right? Where, although you might be doing all the Christian things, if you don't have a communication with Jesus, right? If you don't have a communication with Jesus, you will not be allowed to land in heaven, right? So, you cannot do autopilot and do auto land into heaven. It's not possible. You need to communicate with Jesus. That means, how can, you, how can, how will it be that if you're always communicating with Jesus, Jesus won't tell you when he's coming? He will because you're always communicating with him. I'm about to come. Yay! And you'll be ready. That's crazy. We have the opportunity to know more about God, but we are not taking advantage of it. So let's, let's keep going. Let's keep going. See that. Um, so if you are spiritually alive, you will know the hour that Jesus comes. He will not come suddenly to you as a thief, 
right? You will be expecting him at the hour, that hour. Wow. It, it, takes, it takes a connection, always constant connection. You must be connected in the morning after the night, every second. Because when he wants to come in the next hour, he, you need to hear what he is trying to tell us. I pray God will help us in Jesus' name, amen. So let's keep going. Let's continue to um, Revelations chapter um, 4. It says that thou hast a few names even in Sardis which have not defiled their garments. They shall walk with me in white for they are holy. So there's a few people in that church that have not defiled their garments, even if majority of the church, the church members are hypocrites, they're Pharisees. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. So these people are on the verge of being blotted out of the book of life, right? The book of God, where God records everybody that will be saved. God will clothe them in white raiment and he will not blot out their name and will confess um, their name before God his father and before his angels. He that has an ear, let him hear what the spirit said unto the churches. And now we are done with the church in Sardis. We are going on to the church in Philadelphia. So you got to pick yourself out. What kind of church are you? We have studied four churches in Revelation chapter 3, the last meeting. And now we're going to study the last three churches in Revelation um, chapter 3. Sorry, we studied four churches in Revelation chapter 2. And we are studying the last three churches. Now onto the sixth church, the church in Philadelphia. Let's open our Bibles to Revelation 3 verse 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia writes, This thing said he that is holy, he that is true, and he that had the key of David, he that opened and no man showed it, and showed it that no man opened it. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and has not denied my name. Now listen, whenever Jesus wanted to tell the, the churches their faults, it starts with telling them what they did right, right? And we remember the church before that we've studied, he told, he told them, oh, you did this right, right? You did this right, and then you did this wrong. So now, listen to verse 8. Jesus said, I know thy works. But Jesus didn't mention any, any um, bad thing afterwards. So this church in Philadelphia looks like they are getting it right. So let's go. Now, it says that I have set before you an open door and no man can shut it. Why did Jesus set before them an open door that no man can shut? Because of these following things that this church in Philadelphia usually do. They had a little strength. They have a little strength. But they've kept God's word and not denied his name. So Jesus is telling them that because you have kept my word and not denied my name. I, say, I have set before you an open door. I am the person that opens a door and no man shuts it. I have said before you an open door and no man can shut it. And why is it so easy to 
being God's good book. What did they do? They kept God's word and did not deny God's name. Do you know what that means? Every decision they make, they, they kept God's word. What did God say about what decision I'm trying to make? They kept God's word and do not deny God's name. And remember that it looks like a simple sentence. Yes, it's like a simple sentence, but it's really deep. Because when you keep God's word every second of your life, it comprises of both the word of God and the Bible and the word of God that God tells you every day. It means that you always actually communicate with God to tell you the word for your own day, the word for today, the word for this minute, and you keep all God's word. Do you know how many words that God would want to tell us that we don't know and then because we did not hear it, we, we don't communicate with God, we don't keep it, right? But these people in the sight of Jesus, they know God's word, every word, both the Bible word and the word the Holy Spirit is trying to tell them every day when they wake up and God's telling them, don't go to that place, no, don't, 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 um, sh don't relate with that friend, that is not a good friend. All those words that's not written in the Bible that God wants us to do, they keep those words as well. Keep both the word in the Bible and keep the word that God tells them. So this Philadelphia church, they communicate with God to know and keep his word, right? So they are not autopilot Christians. They have a relationship with God. That's how they are able to keep God's word. Because for every decision we have to make in life, if you are close to God, God would definitely come to you to tell you about it. He would tell you about it. I'm speaking from my own experience. Once you have that decision, you've read the Bible, you've meditated on God's word. There's nothing similar to your situation in the Bible. And you keep praying about it because you don't know what to do. You don't know what to do. As you continue to read God's word, he will reveal to you. He would uncode something that although it doesn't look similar to your situation, it will be the answer for, your, for that decision. And then you will keep his word. Amen. So both the word in the Bible and the word that God tells them, they keep the, that word and they don't deny Jesus' name. So many times we deny Jesus' name for many decisions that we have to make. For many situations that we are in, we compromise. When we are supposed to choose two things, we deny Jesus. We say, okay, today I'm not a Christian. Let me just do this. Later we'll come back to being God's child. Anyway, the Philadelphia church, if you don't do all these things, you are the Philadelphia church. If you keep God's word, both the Bible and God's communication with you, and you don't deny God's name every second of your life, you are the Philadelphia church. You are the Philadelphia church. Behold, verse 9, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. Now listen, Jesus did not say Philadelphia church is popular. They, they have a little strength. They're this small church that... They're close to God, doing God's will. And, but around them, they have these Jews. They have these people that claim that they are the real God's people, right? But they are actually worshiping Satan, right? Beside them are those people that 
in the face of the world, they look like the real Jews. They look like the real Christians. They look like the real godly people. God will make those people to come and bow to to their feet and make them to know that they, the Philadelphia church, God will make the Jews people that are fake Jews, they are worshippers of Satan, to know that this Philadelphia church is his church, right? So he's going to do that. So close to the Philadelphia church, I wrote there, they are fake Christians, they are liars and work for Satan. Jesus will cause these folks to know that he lives and recognize the Philadelphia churches as Christians and they will even okay sorry God will cause these churches to know that he loves and recognizes the Philadelphia church as Christians and then these folks will come and bow at their feet amen so now I forgot the promises right the promises for the church in Sardis and the promise for the church in Philadelphia and after this whole Bible study this chapter 3 I will write down all the promises and I will share it with us all the promises of God we need to hold it but we need to know them we need to know all the promises of God in revelations to us we need to know all the promises the promise in in for the, for the church in Sardis is that if you overcome, if you repent, you will be clothed in white raiment and you will not be blotted out of the book of life and God will confess your name to before Jesus will confess your name before his father, God and the angels. The, the promise to the church in Philadelphia is this. Revelation 3 verse 10 to 12. It says, because thou hast kept my word of, patience, of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation. This is very cool, right? Because there's, there's a time when the Christians in the whole world will be persecuted. It's in the Bible. It's Matthew 24 verse 29. All the verses before 29. And 29 says that immediately after the tribulations of those times then the sun will be darkened the moon will not give his light and jesus will come to take us home so immediately after that tribulation after that persecution of the world the sun will be darkened and jesus will come so this is the persecution that jesus is talking about but he's telling the Philadelphia church that I'm going to let you escape it and I want to be part of these people that would escape persecution because right so 11 says behold i come quickly okay no 10 says that because thou has kept the word of my patience i also will keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth right i will keep you from that time and you're not gonna suffer that time behold i come quickly hold thou fast which thou hast that no man take thy crown be careful philadelphia church you're doing great be careful do not let anybody take your crown right so um verse 12 says that him that overcometh will i make a pillar in the temple of my god and he shall go no more out and i will write upon him the name of my god so this is the promises, these are the promises for Philadelphia Church and for everyone that has gotten to this level of Philadelphia Church. 
says that him that overcometh, I'll make a pillar in the temple of my God. And he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is the new Jerusalem. Which is new Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. And now, brothers and sisters, you see all these promises. It's not money. It's not, it's not gold. It's not riches. It's, it's things that we don't understand. That just tells us how and where our value system should be. Money is good, but don't, don't value it. Don't value it more than God's promises, more than God's word, more than knowing God. Amen. Verse 3 says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So we are done with the sixth church and we're going on to the letter to the seventh church that's Laodiceans. I pray that God will continue to be with us as we stir thee. So I am right now in Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. And open your Bibles if you've not opened your Bibles previously to Revelations. 314 and unto the church unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write this thing say at the amen the faithful and true witness the beginning of the creation of God the let there be light the first word that came out from God's mouth when he was creating Jesus is the one. He's the beginning of the creation of God. Hallelujah. Verse 15. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold or nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods. And have need of nothing. And thou knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Hmm. So this church is, has a lot of work to do. First of all, let's start. They are neither cold nor hot. So, what is cold? What is hot? They're not cold. They're not hot. They're lukewarm. Many Christians fall into this category. And they know the scriptures. They do little of the little of God's commandment that they know. They actually know the scriptures. They actually do what God wants. But they don't desire to know more. Right? They're just kind of maintaining. They're kind of similar to the autopilot Christians. They're maintaining a... For the fact that they are lukewarm, looks like they are kind of having a relationship and then drawing back again. Having a relationship and then drawing back again. They are lukewarm. So sometimes they will connect with God. They connect with the power, the heat, the fire of God. And then other times they draw back. Wow. This is Holy Spirit, take control. This is crazy. 
Now listen. They don't desire to know more. And in addition to their lukewarm state, you might know why they are like that. <laughs> I'm starting to kind of know why they are like that. <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> sorry about that i'm starting to know why they are like that they are rich they are rich people so money is crazy <sighs> okay let's read it revelations three seventeen. because thou said i am rich increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched you see that God's measurement of wealth is not in money. His measurement of wealth is in the knowledge of God. That's the heavenly currency right there. So it says that you are poor. Even though you are rich with goods, you are rich people, you don't need anything. Do you know what that means? You don't need anything? Let, let's explain it. You are rich if you need a car today. You have a credit card. You have good credit. You go to the dealership. You put in your security number, your social security number, and you get a car. You are rich. You, have, you don't need anything. You don't trust God for anything because you are rich. I call this, I call this, the Laudation Christians, the credit card Christians. The credit card Christians are rich no matter the emergency they don't need to ask god they just check their credit card they apply for a new credit card if they are sick they have good doctors they can afford it even if they have to pay instrumentally even though they're not physically rich in the money but they have a solution to what they need they are rich in that sense they have good doctors good hospitals no matter the sickness, they have good medicines. If they are depressed, oh my God, the Bible is not going to be the solution. They have drugs, depression medicines. Just take it. You'll feel better again. They have things that will help them be lively. They have programs, activities, many things that they are rich. They don't need anything from God. That's why they are not hot. Come to Africa or come to poor churches where every single thing is a prayer request. Every single thing. You want to eat breakfast, you look unto God for your daily bread. Asking God to provide for you. Even though you work, you have people that their salary is not enough for them. In addition to their hard work, they trust God for a miracle every day to provide for them. They trust God for favor. When they are sick because the hospitals are so bad, no drugs, no good drugs, no hospitals, they trust in God for healing. They read God's word and claim it and decree and ask, they fast, they pray. Because these ones are hot for God. They need it. They need God. They need God because they are poor. They need God because of their situation. They need God for everything. So, if you are rich, it's very difficult for you to need God. It's very difficult for you to be hot for God. So if you're a credit card, credit card Christian, you need 
you need help you need help you need to love God even though you are rich you need to seek God even though you are rich and the only way you can you see these other Christians they their poverty is an advantage to them their poverty makes them makes it, makes it easy for them to connect with God and eventually go to heaven because they are always connecting with God asking God needing God for everything and by the way God will show them God will walk with them you know walk with them teach them patience teach them not to love money too much teach them to to love him make him know him right but the ones that are rich they don't anytime they are hot or warm have an opportunity to be warm is maybe when it's a terminal sickness right there's no cure and then everybody's doing a prayer chain, doing a social media. Please pray. Please pray for God to intervene. Then they kind of are, they kind of warm themselves up and become lukewarm. Or maybe the situation is not something they can buy with money and they, and they cannot even buy it with their expertise or all those things. They then cry unto God and become warm just a little bit. They are lukewarm because they are rich. Riches make you lukewarm. So what are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about this? If we find ourselves in this situation where the first thing that comes to our mind when we, are, we, need, we need something in life is our bank account, credit score, how much, what's the best doctor, how can we do this, ER, let's do this. When the first thing that comes to your mind is anything other than God, you are a laudation christian you think you don't need god because you have it solved already no matter the expertise of your doctor you need to ask god first many things many decisions that you make there's no way you can keep god's word the word that he speaks to you because you don't even hear it you might want to buy a car today but because you don't need to ask god for permission or for money because you have it you end up buying it even though it's not god's will it might not be god's will to buy that car it might not be god's will to do things or to go to this particular hospital it might not be god's will but because you don't need god for that you think you can solve it yourself we need god for everything we must not depend on our own knowledge for anything even though we know we know how to do it even though you know you know how to fix you know how to fix your the code in your job you know how to do your job you are an expert you've been doing it for 20 years every day you want to start you need to ask god for help say god give me your wisdom he's he's better than our wisdom give me your wisdom and then you'll be doing it the way he wants us to do it so it's not only about religion or cramming all the good and the bad is doing God's will. God's will is different. Osiah, the Bible, the OC, the prophet OC, he married a harlot. That was God's will. That's crazy. So God's will is different for you. Different from, from what he tells me. It might be different for, for you. God has different will. Apart from what he has put in his Bible in the Bible, there are other things. He wants us to do, right? And he needs us to obey it. Just like, just like we explained in the Philadelphia church, they did both the things that 
in the Bible and the new fresh word that come to them every day. They obeyed God's word, the fresh word and the word in the Bible. So in order for you to be like the Philadelphian Church, Laodicea or credit card Christians, you need to become hot again. And let's see your solution. So uh, let's see our solution. I pray I don't fall into this group. I'm going to examine my own self. So the solution right here is that let's first of all read the trashing first again. <laughs> because thou said, Revelation 3, 17, I am rich and increased with goods and I have not need of nothing and knoweth not that thou art wretched. You are miserable, poor and blind and naked. That's all the things you are. You are wretched. You're miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And let, let's dig into it a little bit. We have dug into the part that you are rich, right? So you are rich, you are poor, um, you're rich physically, but Jesus is telling you that you are poor. How are you poor? You are poor in the heavenly currency. You are poor in the heavenly currency. You are poor in the knowledge of God, as we have discussed. There are several levels to knowing God. You are poor in the knowledge of God, and that's why you're cold. You're, you're lukewarm. So that's what's making you cold. You're miserable because you trust in success here on earth, living your best life now. First Corinthians 15 9. Those people that say, careful about anybody that tells you to live your best life now. Any church that's telling you that your best life is now, run away. So, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 9, let's read it together. 1 Corinthians 15, 9. Okay. Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians. 15 verse 9 it says that oh man First Corinthians fifteen nineteen. So that is it. First Corinthians fifteen nineteen. That's the correct one. Pardon me. Okay. Let's read together. Nineteen says. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. So if, this, if in this life only you have hope in Christ, you don't plan for hope in Christ in eternity, you don't think about it. If in this life all your hope is placed, you are most miserable. And Jesus told them that, Laodicean church, you are miserable. So, Jesus said it. I didn't say it. 
I'm not that lady that's trying to abuse all the churches. It's not my word. Jesus said all the things. So it's on Jesus right now. So it says that you are miserable, right? If you put your hope in the riches of this life, if you are lukewarm, you're miserable. So let's keep going. Blind. You are blind. They are not pure in their hearts. And that's why they are blind. They cannot see God. They are blind to spiritual things, so they cannot be hot for God. They are not growing. They're not hot. <coughs> so, excuse me. So, one more thing they are is that they are naked. They are depressed. So, nakedness here, by the inspiration of God, is that they are depressed and anxious for things of this life. That's why they are rich. Yes, you're going to be rich if you aim at being rich. If you focus on being rich, you will be rich. Right? It's not a bad thing to be rich. But if you're following every word that comes out of the mouth of God, you'll be where God wants you to be. Whether poor or rich or medium or average or middle class, you will be where God wants you to be. So, I can't promise you that if you come to Jesus Christ, you're going to be rich. I can only promise you that he will supply all your needs, all the things you need, not all the things you want. He will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Everything you need, even the ones that you don't know you need, he will supply you if you continue to walk with him hot, in a hot way. If you continue to walk with him consistently, if you continue to fellowship with him and communicate with him, he would give you all you need. So, um, they are naked and by the grace of God, God told me that nakedness means that they are depressed and anxious for the things of this life. And they are the ones that will argue that Jesus too was depressed. And they will argue that Jesus was anxious when he was about to be crucified. These Christians, the Laodicean church, the credit card Christians, according to what Jesus said, I didn't say it. They will argue that Jesus was anxious and depressed at Gethsemane. So, unknowingly, they are actually accusing Jesus of, Hi, Nire. Thank you for joining. Unknowingly, they are accusing Jesus of not practicing what he preached. Jesus said, do not be anxious for anything. Be anxious for nothing. Don't be anxious for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, what you shall wear. But you know these Christians, they're rich. That's why they are anxious for all those things. And how did Jesus tell me that nakedness means they are depressed and anxious for things of life? It's because in um, Isaiah, God led me to Isaiah chapter 61. Here it says that the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the suffering and afflicted. 
He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to announce liberty to captives, and to open the eyes of the blind. Remember that all the things that Jesus is saying here, saying to the Laodicean churches that are lukewarm, <coughs> is what God is, Jesus is saying he can help you with. So Laodicean church, Jesus can help you with your blindness. And then he can help you with that. So to open the eyes of the blind, Isaiah 61 verse 2. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of God's favor to them has come. And the day of his wrath to their enemies, to, those, to all those who mourn in Israel, he will give beauty for ashes. Joy instead of mourning, praise instead of heaviness. Okay, now we're going to go into the KJV version. And that's where I got this thing I'm saying. So, um, Isaiah 61 in King James Version. Um, because this version did not put what I found when I was reading in there. So... Let's focus on the place where it says praise instead of heaviness. So Isaiah 61 verse 3. So it says that to appoint unto them that morning Zion to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So if you have if you're depressed if you have heaviness you're naked so jesus is giving you a garment you have the spirit of heaviness you're naked jesus is giving you this garment of praise right so this laudation church because they are anxious for the things of this life they are depressed right so depression means when you are it's a mental illness right hopelessness that's depression hopelessness of of life you're hopeless. Jesus is saying that he wants to clothe you. When you're depressed, you're naked. Jesus wants to clothe you with his garment of praises. So Christians can mourn or be sad due to circumstances, but they should be careful not to be anxious or depressed. Jesus was never anxious. He will definitely practice what he preached. He said, don't be anxious. He has garment of praises. Why will you say that he's depressed? So that means you don't read your Bible. If you can say Jesus is anxious and depressed, you don't read your Bible. He said that he told the people listening to him that he is the one that Isaiah 61 was talking about. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. <coughs> Jesus said that today the scripture is fulfilled in your eyes. I am the one that Isaiah 61 was talking about. I am the one that the spirit of the Lord is upon and he has sent me to anoint you, to bring you good news, to give you garment of praises instead of depression. So how will you say somebody that brings you a garment of praise instead of depression was depressed? Jesus was never depressed. Jesus was never anxious, my brothers and sisters. So these are the Christians that will want to bring Jesus to their lukewarm state and say that Jesus was anxious and depressed. Repent if you are lukewarm. So these lukewarm Christians depend on psychologists. You see that? That's why they cannot be healed. 
they they depend they have the money to pay therapists they have the money they have the technology they know their and their society is working for all their problems so they don't need jesus they don't need to call upon jesus to be whole so they don't even know that they are really their situation is really bad because they're rich money is crazy they have credit cards they don't need to pray for a car they have I, i've said all these things they have the best hospitals they have the best drugs they don't think to pray for healing they just take the drugs they don't think to and god knows it all god knows if the drug will have a side effect god knows ask god god should i take this medicine should i do this you need to be communicate be in constant communication with god so they have therapies they don't see god for joy from god's word first joy comes from god's word first so notice that jesus confirmed that they are physically rich but spiritually poor and what is their solution i counsel you revelations 3 verse 18 and 19 I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and white raiment, right? Because you're naked, right? So white raiment, a garment of praises, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint your eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see and remember that. Okay, let's keep going. I selves that thou mayest see. So how can they buy of Jesus gold? Is it with their physical money? No. This reminds me of Isaiah 55 verse 1. <clears throat> Isaiah 55 verse 1. Let's read it together. Open your Bibles to Isaiah 55 verse 1. It says here that, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. So these things are not bought with money or price. Buy from God gold and buy Isaiah, because the word of God Compliment each other. You don't need money to buy this gold that Jesus is trying to give you. Buy. I counsel you. Revelation 3.18. I counsel you to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich. You know what Jesus is talking about when he's saying you must be rich. It means that you should be rich in the knowledge of God. That is how you gotta you can be hot. Be rich in the knowledge of God. Constant relationship, communication with God, knowing God according to first Peter chapter, second Peter chapter one, and knowing God according to Philippians three verse ten. Start from being born again to knowing God, adding to your faith, diligence, patience, and all those things, virtue, and then suffering for christ that is the levels of knowing god so <clears throat> buy for me go tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and we know the raiment that thou may be clothed so 
Now listen, I am not talking about queuing your Christian playlist on iTunes to be happy or joyful. Garment of praises is not about praises, getting happiness from listening to Christian music. Is getting happiness from the joy that when you've read God's word, then you begin to flow out with joy and sing to God, praise God with your mouth. Yes, you can, you can get the assistance of, of iTunes or your phone, your technology, you rich Christians, because you have a phone, you have iTunes, you have technology. Now, people that don't have phones, they have the flip phone. They don't have the iTunes. They don't have the Christian playlist. So, garment of praises is when you yourself sing melody from your soul to God. You sing melody to God from your heart, from your soul. And so, Jesus is counseling us to read God's word and he'll clothe us with the garment of praises and we begin to sing. When you sing to God for hours, sing to God for hours, fellowshipping with God, and then true joy will come. Amen. True joy will remain because the joy comes from God's word. Amen. So, I'm not talking about your church worship team. That's not going to work. That is uh, uh, medicine. It doesn't last. It's not from within. It's from outside. But praises that deletes nakedness, which is depression. Next is, you are blind, anoint your eyes with eye salve. So, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> this is when the Holy Spirit and the Spirit before God's throne begins to live in you. And by reading God's word, you grow in the spirit. And we back it up with um, Ephesians 1 verse 17 to 18. So Ephesians 1. <clears throat> says that, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes, so, so now listen, this is how you, you remove the blindness from your eyes. Laudation church. The first thing is to be born again, because here he's saying that in Ephesians 1 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory, May give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. So this spirit of wisdom and revelation, knowledge of God, knowing God. Now, the spirit of wisdom comes when the Holy Spirit lives in you, right? So when you are born again, you need to be born again, Laudation Church. You need to have the new man living in you, the Holy Spirit living in you. And the spirit of wisdom and revelation of God's word, of the knowledge of God, through his word, through relationship with him. Then, verse 18, Ephesians 1, 18, then the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened. The eyes of your understanding will be enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of your calling and what the riches of your glory of the riches of the glory of God's inheritance in the saints. So your eyes of your understanding will be enlightened when you have the spirit of wisdom living in you. So you are blind. You need to see. You need your eyes to be opened. 
and enlightened by the spirit of wisdom of God. Amen. Wow. So that is how you can be, you can see, right? Now, listen to the promises in this verse. Revelation chapter 3. Promises in Revelation chapter 3. We are almost done. <laughs> Revelation 3 verse 20 and 21 says that. Oh, let's read 19. It says, as many as I love. So Jesus still loves you, Laudation Church. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. So, <clears throat> repent. Jesus is rebuking you now. Repent. Your money is the hindrance to your relationship with God. Put the money aside and seek God first for all your needs. Repent, be born again, and the Holy Spirit will teach you what to do. <clears throat> to Him, so behold, I stand at the door and knock. That is the final promise. If you hear God's voice through this, through this medium, through reading the word of God, through hearing preachers on Instagram or on social media, or through hearing Christians around you, if you hear Jesus' voice and if you open the door of your heart, Jesus will come into you and will eat with you and you with him. 21 to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne he that heard and hear let him hear what the spirit said unto the churches amen so these are the promises Jesus is trying to tell me to tell you right now that he has gone through everything you are going through right now he's telling you that <clears throat> it's telling you that he came to this earth and he passed through everything you're passing through so he's he's giving you a task that he himself has gone through and now he's seated in his father's throne you also can go through it you can go through life like the philadelphia church obeying every word that god says you can do this you can obey god's word you can obey god's word through the bible god's word through his holy spirit and not deny his name in every situation and then <clears throat> you will be victorious and sit in with jesus in his throne and that is the end of the letters to the seven churches i really thank god for bringing us here all glory to God for the strength and enablement and good health and every good thing he has done for us. Ah, Let's pray. Everlasting Father, we are so grateful for your power, for your presence, for your revelation, for your wisdom to us through your word. We say a bit of glorified in Jesus' name. We thank you for dealing with issues that we have been thinking about. You know, thank you for explaining it expressly to us, Lord. 
I say be thou glorified in the name of Jesus Christ. I ask that everyone that has heard your word, oh God, will change, will repent, including myself, Lord. Please show this torchlight to me as I go through these Bible studies again and choose who I am, oh God, in all these churches, oh God. Please help me to genuinely and know what I need to change, how I need to repent, oh God, in the name of Jesus Christ. Help the people that are listening as well to know how they need to change. Help them not to run away from the flaws and their faults, oh God. But let them face it and repent, oh God. If they need to start from scratch and be born again, oh God. Give them the grace to be humble and come back to you and repent. Give them the grace to call upon you and tell you that they have sinned. I have sinned, oh God. Forgive me. Wash me clean with your blood, oh God. Do the work of righteousness in me. Kill this old man that loves money, that loves sin, oh God. And give me the new man, the new baby Jesus, the water of life. Put it in me, oh God. And give me the Holy Spirit, the seven spirits of God, oh God. Let these people, Lord, say these words, oh God. And Lord, see their sincere hearts, oh Jesus. And do this work of salvation and righteousness in their life. In the name of Jesus Christ. And when you've done it, oh Lord, do not let them just keep being lukewarm, oh God. Please, Lord, help them. Walk with them, oh God. Help them to surrender their lives to you. Everything in their lives to you. That you would bring trials their way that will make them hot. You will bring situations their way that will make them stand for you and not deny your name. So that they can be like the Philadelphia church in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you. That you would help us to be like the church you want us to be. Even if it's the church in Smyrna that are actually saints. They are like the Philadelphia church. But they are going through the highest level of knowing you. They are being persecuted, oh God. Give these Christians, oh God. Whether they are like the Philadelphia or they are like the Smyrna church. Give them the grace to live for you and serve you and not deny your name, God, and continue to follow you and strengthen them whether in whatever they are going through, be it persecution, be it standing for your name, Lord, help them, strengthen them to grow, oh God. And when you come in glory, oh God, even as you have said it, when we have constant communication with you, we will know the hour. You will not come to us as a thief when we don't know and we just see a thief in our house and be like, oh my God, he's here. We didn't know. No, Lord. We will know when you are coming, oh Lord. You will not come as a thief to us, oh God. You will come and we will know that you are about to come and we will be very excited and we will just receive you and you. The Holy Spirit in us will quicken us to go with you in the clouds to the glory of your name. Receive the glory, ancient of days, O oh God. Help us to continue to constantly communicate with you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Prepare us even as we go into the end time studies or the study about the Antichrist, study about what will happen in the end in Revelations 4 through 22, God. Strengthen us, O oh God, and prepare us. Tell us everything that you want us to learn. Receive the glory ancient of days. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. I am very grateful for everyone that joined Guide 31. Sumto, everybody that joined Nire. I am very grateful to you for finding time. And I'm grateful to God for giving you the opportunity to listen, right? And to like come your way again next time stay blessed